Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to another exciting edition of the Pointless Exercise podcast. Uh, joined by a very special guest for this episode, a senior writer from The Guardian, Andrew Lawrence. Drew, how are you? Good. Good, Andy. How are you doing? I'm great. You are my you are my go to when I want to talk about things like <laughs> like F one. I want to get a non meatball Chicago <laughs> take on the Bears quarterback situation. You mean they're not talking about uh about uh, Alpha Tauri's name change on the uh branding uh, rebrand on the score? I th- I think they devoted like four hours to it today. Yeah. Should we call it Visa Cash App RB? Should we just call it RB? Does the RB stand for Racing Bulls? What is the... I think I tend to uh, apply NASCAR rules, like when they sort of lard up their events with like the Monster Energy uh, Camping World, blah, blah, blah. I'll just say like Second Talladega or, uh, you know, like the Daytona 500. I don't... I just... The uh, the sponsorship names just completely just yeah. wash over me now. Um, it sounds like just from watching, uh, I mean, I watch practice for God's sakes. <laughs> They're just gonna call them RB. Yeah, yeah, that's for, what I've been for saying. Visa. You're just going to be, <laughs> although anytime they show any the cockpit, it's all Visa. So they're they're of not going to get it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you notice this, the Red Bulls, their new one of the sponsors you can see when they show the cockpit is Peppy Jeans. Is that right? And it looks a lot like PP Jeans, which is what <laughs> I'm gonna think of every time they show the inside of the car. Uh, they they want that that you know to you you to associate them with a snug fit, so they want to be like in that cockpit and all that that's, stuff. I, so. I think that's right. Yeah. All right, we're gonna get to we're gonna get to F one, uh, but I think I the the people want to hear uh, what you have to say about what the Bears should do with their uh, their quarterback situation. Do they so, – well, go ahead. I'm not even – I don't even want to uh, – I don't want to even lead you in any direction. No, man. I'm, I'm, I'm torn. So I really like Justin. I like that he sort of has like a weird uh, competitive thing with Trevor Lawrence. He's like, I've been – better than this guy my entire life and then he goes for the only time he was ever better than me was when he went first in the draft and i like that he still has a chip on his shoulder about all of that and really wants to uh prove himself um you you know 
doesn't also hurt that he's like a fantastic uh sort of like uh physical talent um it's hard to judge where his because to me it's like watching uh lamar like when i watched lamar at louisville he was almost exclusively a pocket passer so like when he started running around i was like who is this player and i feel like fields is going through exact same thing at ohio state all he did was drop back and now he's having to like rely on on sort of like the the, the running and the physical talent and all of that so i feel like He's only we've only seen the ceiling that we always see because the Bears offensive staff is so incompetent. So I'm just like, you know, maybe in the next regime change, he'll finally get a coordinator who will be able to uh, to like tap that the actual potential. Um, having said that, um, I live in Atlanta now, and if the situation were come to pass that Atlanta trades with the Bears so that they can get Caleb Williams, I feel like it's still a win-win for me. Like, I get to see... I get Justin. Yeah, I get I get Justin closer to my actual home and my, and my native land gets to experiment with, you know, ruining another quarterback. <laughs> so I feel like, yeah, I, I can't... Uh, I can't lose, but I, but my heart, in my heart, I would really, I would actually like to see Justin succeed in Chicago because I think if he, if he is as good as I think he is, he's going to have a, he's going to have talent plus a, plus a grudge, which I feel like will only magnify the talent and make the Bears like that much better. All right. That's interesting. <laughs> uh, I have similar feelings about Justin in that. He's to me, he's the rare bear quarterback who fans actually want. I don't want to run out of town. Like, yes. This is an odd feeling for bear fans. Usually anytime there's a chance to get a new quarterback, it's an easy decision. Shove the old bum out of town. We don't want it. Right. But Justin is cool. Yes. Never, we don't really have cool. We haven't done that since like Jim McMahon was the last yes. cool quarterback that bears had. Um, and you know, Josh McCown. Um, yeah, but we had Jay, who had all this talent. We just had to like put up with his. I feel like Jim Miller might be the only yeah. like sort of cool. Yeah, and then he the only time he ever got on an extended run of good play, he uh, uh, flunked a PED test. Yes. Oh, oh God, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. Actually, I guess he had two runs. One, Hugh Douglas slammed him down and separated his shoulder in a playoff game. Yes. And then Nick throws up like three, two, two four hundred yard passing games in a row. Yes. And then off to the suspended list. I mean, yeah. I'd have tested him too if I was. Oh the man, I for, I totally forgot about that. Yeah, that that really, that really that still smarts. But so uh, there's so there's that with Justin. There's also the um, the feeling that under a normal situation, you wouldn't be in a position where you felt you could upgrade from him yes so this you yeah. wouldn't worry about it at all if you were yes. picking eighth and ninth instead of first and ninth you're just taking two guys to try to make the bears better right but instead you're sitting there and last year they had they were in the exact same situation with the number one pick and they looked at tiny little bryce young thought that's yeah. not going to work and cj yeah. stroud and they decided okay we're 
if we're going to roll with an Ohio State quarterback, why don't we stick with the guy we've got and see if he's good? Yeah, let's stick with the guy who played, uh, who was pl- who was playing above him. Yeah. Right? Didn't they? Did they briefly overlap? Yeah, like, CJ would have been his, his backup. His backup his last, what, year, like, last year. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so they did that, and not only that, they made a trade to get him an, a weapon. He actually had a wide receiver to throw to, and that yes. worked. DJ Moore was really good. Worked really well. And now they're there again. And now it's, okay, we got another year out of Justin. And I'd like to think, I'd like to give the Bears the benefit of the doubt, but why would I, given their history, that they, because they're with him every day, they have a gauge on where, how much of his struggles were him and how much of his struggles were Luke Getzey. Right. And we don't really know that. It would be very interesting if he gets traded to the Raiders. Him and Getsy together again. And both of them oh my like, gosh! I thought awful. it was your fault. Well, that was your fault. We're not going to find out now. We're just both, yeah. It's going to be the same old shit in just a different town. Um, and so then there's Until other things. Antonio that, Pierce grinds one yes. of them down. Antonio, who said he hired Getsy because the Bears ran the ball all over the Raiders, and he goes, I don't even know who their quarterback was because it was our, it was our, great, it was the third stringer. Yeah, it was our great arm, our our arm wrestler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, but the Bears are also in a situation where if they feel like, A, if they feel like they can upgrade, then you could get younger, you could get cheaper, and you could continue to build. They've really done a pretty nice job over the last yes. two years of actually adding talent to the roster. I think they feel like they could do it again. If you keep Justin, you're – you get him cheap again this year, so it doesn't affect you. You can go nuts in free agency this year. Next year, he starts to get a little more expensive. $25 million for an NFL starting quarterback, though, is not – that's not even middle-of-the-market money. Right. And Especially then you're with looking the cap at, going up each year. Like, yeah. yeah, it becomes easier to bear. Then you're looking at probably having to pay him $40 million a year after that. Yeah. And part of that would be – his negotiating would be, of course you're going to pay me that money. You passed on C.J. Stroud for me. You passed on Caleb Williams for me and Drake May. You didn't take any of those guys. So clearly, you, right. you know I'm a top-of-the-league quarterback, even if his you know, stats don't improve. Um, I can just tell you, as somebody who watched every Bear game with obsessive detail. Yes, please. There are, like, the sheer amount of cool plays, things he does that nobody else can do. Every time he does it, you think, oh, he's the greatest quarterback ever. We could do this all the time. Yeah, and then there are times when you are literally sitting in your chair screaming at him to throw the ball, yeah. and it's he's not even. Some quarterbacks hold the ball and they're looking to go deep. They're waiting for something to develop. A lot of yeah. times he's holding it, and we have no re- idea why. There mm-hmm. is nobody going deep. He's not waiting for anybody. He's just not throwing it. And the thing I don't know is actually. I think part of the reason CJ went second instead of first last year was Justin. Yeah. There was this feeling that Ohio State quarterbacks, because the offense is geared to take the deep shot all the time, they, they get in this bad habit of holding the ball because their line's going to be able to block for eight seconds and their receivers right. are going to get open eventually. And it develops a bad habit that they can't shake in the NFL because none of these guys have been worth a damn. And then CJ comes out and that's not an issue at all. Like that ball needs yes. to be there. It's there on time. We don't Reading get it perfectly. a lot of... He's, he's making guys yeah. uh he's you know like the wh- whoever the rookie receiver was for them that went down uh like two-thirds of the way through the season Tank. yeah was Tank having an Dell. awesome awesome season 
uh, horrible injury, yep. and you know, CJ's like the like in tears on the podium, being like, you know, this guy was amazing. Nobody had heard of this guy uh, or was pay or was looking for this guy until those two paired up. Yeah, gotcha. And we saw very little of that from Justin. Very yeah. little tight window throws where that guy's maybe open, but I'm going to throw it there, and he's going to get there. And some of that could be the guys he's throwing to. Yeah. That's that's been the issue with this the whole time is you know how, what are we evaluating, right? Here? Um, and I think there's a foregone conclusion now that they will, they'll trade him and they'll go with Caleb because Caleb is more of what a, what you think the blueprint to win in the NFL is, right? A quarterback who can make all the throws, who could throw guys open, who could do that kind of stuff. Scans the field is you know looking off uh safeties and linebackers and yeah because it, it, it admittedly he has some ridiculous tape yeah like, there are yeah, throws yeah. he makes that it's just you know but my like, thing with caleb is you know he doesn't want to come to chicago he wants to stay with cliff he's angling to go to washington uh you know his dad like you know, they his him his dad is like a is a uh, is a strong voice, which he should be, but you know, uh, kept him out. Uh, you know, kept him in school last year, and you know he had a he had an all right season. Uh, wasn't his Heisman season, uh, but of the college football that I watched last year, which was you know a fair amount a fair amount of SEC football, like the quarterback that blew me away was. LSU's quarterback who won the Heisman and I'm like if you're gonna wait for a guy wait for that guy because uh, he is he's truly ridiculous uh no 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 disrespect to Caleb but I just because he had a an awesome season when Caleb had like a baseline season I've you know he's, yeah. he stuck out more to me yeah it's very the, the whole USC thing is hard to figure for similar reasons why it's if you were only evaluating Caleb on last season, it's a lot like trying to evaluate Justin on his last season. Yeah. You know, the USC, their offensive line was not nearly as good as it had been the year before. He didn't have nearly the weapons he had before. The best receiver he had was Jerry Rice's son, who's like a right. fourth-round draft pick, maybe. Yeah. Um, and the defense was horrible. So it was part of the reason that he went for so many big plays is they had to score, literally, they had to score 40 points to win a game. Yeah, yeah, and you barely beat Colorado, which was giving up, giving up, giving up as much as it was scoring. So you worry about they say, okay, I understand that. You worry then how easy is it to flip the switch back? Do you just do that for a year and then that's just who you are now? It's like it's fine. I'm just going to fire this all over. The Cliff Kingsbury thing is funny to me because Cliff was not the offensive coordinator. He wasn't the quarterback coach. He was the offensive consultant. Right. Yeah. He's just. He was there for one year. Yeah, and apparently, you know, to to hear Cliff tell it to people when he's trying to get a job, they're so yeah. tight. Yeah, um, yeah. And Caleb's going to want to, you know, tell the Bears to fuck off because he's coming to DC, where they've got, you know, they've not they got done... a, yeah, they got a ton going on over there. Yes. Right? Oh, it's a great situation <laughs> to go into. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, I don't want to play for a defensive-minded head coach. Well, you want to meet the guy in DC. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they did not hire Ben Johnson. That's yeah. not who you're going to get. 
Uh, so it'll be interesting. And so then there's other ideas then. People are thinking, you know, this the, the interview the Bears had, I guess, tonight with Caleb, the one-on-one will will go a long way to whether they oh feel gosh. like, you know, yeah. they can, they want to work with him, they can sign him, they can do all the other stuff. You know, if one thing that you would be worried about if you're Ryan Poles is Roquan Smith is a Raven largely because Roquan decided he was going to be his own agent. And they right. could not convince him that the deal they were offering him was a good deal. And Caleb is not going to hire an agent. No. It's going to be Caleb and his dad are going to figure yeah. it out. Although yeah. the thing, Caleb, the whole thing around Caleb is much more sophisticated than anything Roquan had. Like Caleb has a marketing team. Caleb already has. Right, yeah, yeah, Caleb yeah. has had yeah. made NIL money and has, knows that yeah, he's got a Dr. Pepper years. sponsorship yeah. and an EA Sports sponsor. You know, he's, yeah. he probably has a more realistic idea. Plus it's a rookie contract. I mean, Roquan right. did hold out because there was offset language that he didn't like. And he was the last, by far the last rookie to sign when he was right. a rookie. So I, he's not not going to play for the Bears if they pay him. That, you know, he may be like, screw this, I'm only going to be here for one contract. But right. he's not not going to play for the Bears if they pick him. You know, so then you get the galaxy brains. It's like, okay, well, if they like, and you would do this, if they decide they'd rather have Drake May, then you trade with Washington. Because you only have to move down to two, you're still going to get Drake. You right. get Washington's one this year. You get their two this year. The Bears don't have a two because they traded it for Montez Sweat, which was an excellent trade. Um, and then maybe you get something next year, all for the low, low price of still drafting the guy you wanted to in the first place. Or maybe you take Jane Daniels instead. Or maybe you just keep Justin and then you trade that pick. You know, there's mock drafts where the Bears trade that first round pick three times. Mm-hmm. And they go from one to two, and they go from like two to four, and then they go from four to it's like it, it, the Let's get a little more realistic than that. Yeah, probably, let's let's, let's uh, study our history here a little bit uh, of this team and its uh, and its appetite for risk before we have them trading uh, five times in the first round. Um, I don't know if you've seen Matt Eberflus lately. Have you seen the Flus with the? No, I haven't seen him. So he's got Flus has got a new haircut and a beard. Oh boy, he looks a lot like uh, he looks a lot like Cliff Kingsbury. I think he's trying to trick. Ah. <laughs> Caleb into thinking that he's Cliff, but it's clear. I think he got the glow up just to appeal to Caleb to show how cool he is. Interesting. I will did he, admit, did he, did he paint his nails too to be yeah, like, he hey, put I'm, F, F I'm cool. On his, yeah, on his nails. Yeah. I heard somebody explain that away. They're like, well, big deal because uh, his mom is like a nail technician. Yes. Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. Well, yeah. Does she put F Utah on yeah. all the clients? <laughs> fingernails is that like only if thing? they ask only if they ask or they're running a special so so it will it will be very interesting what the bears do the consensus i think now has come down to justin's getting traded yeah. caleb's getting picked and the the comments from ryan pools and matt eberflus the last couple of days at the combine do very little to like change that narrative and you know if you're going to trade justin you're probably going to do it in the next week or two. Yeah. That's so what they did last time. They went to the combine. They put up their little, they put their table up and sat there and said, make us an offer. And all the teams walked by. And then they they basically settled with Carolina before they left. And they spent the next like week haggling with them. And they had a deal. I would think something mm-hmm. similar to that will happen again. Um, well, I'll tell you what, I mean, there's, there's buzz down here for, uh, you know, the, uh, the second administration of uh, Radio Rahim, and they're like, yeah. you know, let's do it. Let's go, 
let's be the first NFL team to be black, uh, black GM, black head coach, black head quarterback. So, uh, or black starting quarterback. So, um, well, and he's from Atlanta, right? Yeah. Or the area. Yeah. 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 And, uh, there'd be, you know, and Jason Ritter is very, fr- very frustrating to watch. And he would be an immediate upgrade over that guy. And, uh, him and him and Bijan together in a backfield, like that's 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 a box office draw. Yeah, he might. Somebody might. They might actually throw passes to Kyle Pitts. Yeah, be a nice yeah. change. Of pace. Oh, right. Apparently, yeah. Kyle yeah. might want to actually um, run. Yeah, there was some, there was some thought that maybe him and Arthur didn't exactly hit it off. And mm. Effort might have been a little lacking late in the season. <laughs> yeah, as far as Desmond Ritter, I can tell you as a as a Bear fan who was. Watching the Bears game, and I had on the red zone was keeping tabs on that big Carolina Atlanta tilt late in the season. Ooh. Ritter threw the single worst interception so that anybody threw all season. Down by one, I think it was. I think they were down seven to six, with like five minutes to go in the game. There was no offense in that game at all. Um, was that the game where Eddie Pinero got hurt? And the no, I think it was the next week. Eddie got hurt in warmups, and then Carolina played a whole game and couldn't kick. Yeah. Kick extra points oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But anyway, you could tell just by what, keeping tabs, when the Falcons score, if they kick a field goal, they're going to win the game. And they're down at, like, the, it's first and 10 from, like, the 15, and he rolls out his first down and just blindly chucks one to about the five, where it almost didn't get intercepted because three Panthers were fighting over it. Right. And it's thought, Jesus, I don't know how you can. And Raheem basically said that, right? Like, this was a, this was a playoff caliber team. They had terrible quarterback play last year. Right. Yeah. He yeah, just yeah. came right out and said it. Basically, if we had a better quarterback last year, I wouldn't have this job. Arthur right. Would still be yeah. Here. Yeah. Um, I watched. I went to the game they played. They hosted the Bucks here in Atlanta, and um, it was really it was maddening because they he was playing terribly, and still. The Falcons had a chance to win that game in like the last three minutes and he blew it. But the, but the frustrating thing is that like, he's definitely a pro prospect. Like he will make like incredible throws in tight windows where I'm like, yeah, I see why they're starting you. And then the very next play, he will throw the dumbest, yeah. uh, the dumbest pass into triple coverage in the red zone. And you'll just be like, how did you not see those four guys all by themselves on the left side of the end zone uh, with no Falcons receiver anywhere near there? It's yeah. Yeah. There's somebody cut up all 10 of his interceptions. That's on. They was been, it been running on Twitter and they're all bad, but eight, uh, nine and 10 are mind numbing. Yeah. Just <laughs> like, holy shit. What, what were you possibly looking at? Yeah. I'm sure he's a nice guy, but uh Yeah really really rough to watch but see, I think this would be something that would work out for everybody then atlanta would get yes. a good quarterback they'd get their yep. their hometown guy it's a we bear fans want a good situation for justin because we genuinely yes. like him yeah that would be a good one uh vegas would not uh <laughs> there's a lot of rumors about the steelers I, that to me doesn't feel like a Steeler. yeah yeah and they and they're not aggressive like that yeah. they don't really they stand pat they they load up on defense um, my only thing with the Bears is that have, after having watched the Niners uh, and watched them build every part of that team except for the quarterback until they they you know just 
threw up their hands and said, "Yeah, sure, let's let's take a flyer with the very last pick on that uh, on that Purdy guy." It's like a none of these evaluations are going to mean anything in like eight months' time, and b like they at least were smart enough to build out the rest of the team and say like you know and, and have it be sort of like a championship caliber team even with somebody like jimmy garoppolo you know running the offense and i'm like what is stopping the bears from at least seeing how much of the rest of the team they can build before they're like we're a quarterback away yeah. and then and then make a move right but I, the the timeline though especially in the nfc where there's it's you know, yeah, all the good quarterbacks. Uh, are it's Dak and yep. spare parts. Yep. But you don't get to pick the timing on this. They had the number one pick yeah. last year. They didn't use it. They have the number one pick this year. You know, you you can wait and build everything, and then you don't have an opportunity to get the quarterback. That's if it fair. turns out That's Justin fair. doesn't work out, then what do you you know you you're rolling with Tyson Bajan. Yeah. You think yeah. uh you know you think Brock Purdy was you know he was <laughs> Mr. Irrelevant whatever it was beyond Mr. Irrelevant is what Tyson Bajan was no was... So yeah that and that's why we ran it 60 times against the Raiders and uh yep. and Getzies over there now um yeah, yeah and that's no, the other I... the other thing about the building the quote-unquote super team around a quarterback is um between the if they draft a rookie quarterback between that and Bajant, the Bears would be spending about seven million dollars a year on their entire quarterback room, where most teams are spending thirty-five or forty million at least yeah, on their quarterback, on even one guy. including the <laughs> Niners, who yeah. have I well actually I don't know if they had to assume any of uh Darnold's contract, but you know, they at one point well, they were literally just throwing darts at the wall. You know, they drafted yeah. Trey Lance, they could have picked Justin, they didn't, they took Trey Lance. Yeah. They had Jimmy and then they brought Jimmy back. Right. You know, they signed him. He was on the street. Nobody wanted him. They said, come on, you can play one more year for us because he had, he was in a cast for something. God they tried a hail mary Jimmy to get Brady out of retirement, yep. um, and they might have gotten him if he hadn't, I guess, joined the ownership group at the Raiders, uh, something like that. So yeah, they're clearly like extremely bullish on that position. But again, they did a really great job of. Building and if you want to get really cocky teams. about the future of Caleb Williams, you could say, well, you can. You can build the super team like the Niners did, or you can have the quarterback like the Chiefs. Yes. Did. Yes. Well, yes. That. Now, to yeah. me, that if you if you if you can get quarterback right, you're set for a decade, which the yes. Bears never done. Yeah. And that super team goes away because you're now paying that guy, but you've got that guy, and all right. of a sudden you don't need Tyreek Hill anymore, and you don't need he's right. throwing to guys you've never heard of, and Taylor Swift's <laughs> boyfriend. To, and, to New York Jets castoffs are making the heroic uh, game-winning Super Bowl catches, and uh, yeah, yeah. So I think for most Bear fans, it's 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 funny, right? I think a lot of Bear fans now have talked themselves into this. So if they go trade Justin, it just feels inevitable, and this Caleb better work out. But if they somehow kept him, Justin's a guy we all like. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, I, I'll, I'll get back to this with with Ryan Poles. If do you want to be looking, f- say four years from now you're on the street, and you had a chance to draft C.J. Stroud and Caleb Williams, you didn't pick either one of them. Yeah, I don't think. I think at some point you have to. You they keep handing you the gun. At some point you have to shoot it. I just feel like <laughs> yeah. he's going to do that. No, if you're right. I mean, I will be happy if they draft Caleb. I just, we were all really rooting for justin and i'll continue to root for justin if he 
he comes here, it'll be really easy. Um, but you know, yeah, we just, he just really wanted it to work out. I really wanted it to, for him to work out in Chicago. Um, all right. Speaking of football a little bit, um, yeah. Peter King announced his retirement kind of with an asterisk though, because he, yeah. they so are, what are you going to do now? He's compared, oh, I might, I might do something else. It's like, well, that's that really retirement. Uh, but he, one of his enduring legacies was uh, Monday morning quarterback. And you wrote for Monday morning quarterback. I did. It was a, uh... yeah, Peter, Peter is such a unique figure in SI history because, you know, the mag, <laughs> you know, what, what used to be the magazine, the magazine used to, you know, it's produced so many great writers, but he, is easily the most generous of those stars in terms of, um, you know, the way that he uh, shared uh, his expertise, his contacts, uh, his uh, his energy, his opinions, his access with his colleagues, with younger uh, reporters, and then, you know, used his must read platform and built it out into its own into its own brand its own vertical to give uh younger writers like myself a shot to uh more space to cover the league i remember the first big my first is it the first story i did for him on the mmqb one of the first stories i did for him was about uh you know the the perils and pains of being a uh, an NFL wide receiver and how like why they're wired uh, to be so crazy because they know that they can affect the game in such a huge way but have no control over the way over where and when they can affect the game and uh and how that redounds to their Hall of Fame selection and I think at the time um it was, uh, I think, Chris Carter or, uh, gosh, who's the uh, Heisman Trophy winning uh, um, receiver for the Raiders for all those years? Uh, gosh, what was his name? Um, who, like, had all those yards and had never won a Super Bowl and or was in the Super Bowl, never won, and, uh, and would, like, always be a Hall of Fame finalist and then not. And then not oh, Tim Brown? It. Tim Brown, thank you. Yes, Notre Dame zone, Tim Brown. Yep. Um, and just like how, like the frustration just continues. It's like he go from uh, being the guy, like asking for the ball, you know, maybe getting it five times a game, maybe getting it twice, maybe getting it no times to like succeeding even despite that. And then having to go through this whole other thing uh, when you're Hall of Fame eligible and, uh, you know, your stats look worse and worse as the game has opened up more and more offensively and you thought that was a really good idea and i went and i executed and it's like the first one of the my early sports illustrated stories that got a really big uh got a really big response and then on the heels of that uh we got the idea to go check in on lovey smith after he was fired after his winning season and like somehow convinced him to uh let me uh hang out with spend a week uh, spend a sunday with him at home watching games and it was like the most amazing reporting trip that i ever had in my life and i just like met a guy who was like nothing like the sideline sphinx that we had known for the better part of a decade and uh and it was 
amazing. And like that doesn't happen without without Peter, without the MMQB, without Peter being like there's so much more uh so many more stories, so many more personalities in this game than just sort of like the top line guys that we cover for the magazine or or even on on the website that we could really just do a whole a whole other th- a, a whole like deeper dive uh, into football in its own separate website and of course that that proved to be a smash too. Yeah, before he started that, ESPN wanted him very badly, threw a lot of money yeah. at him, and instead he re-signed at Sports Illustrated. But that was a big part of his deal. He wanted to yeah. do this website, and he wanted to give other writers a chance. He basically um, took a lot of the money he would have gotten at ESPN, and he used it because he felt like he had enough money and to yeah. give other people a chance. And I mean, who does that? He'd like to thank yeah. lots of people, but they don't. Yeah, truly generous. And then also with like his readers. I mean, SI was was unique in that its readers had this sort of parasocial relationship with, uh, with the writers. Uh, you know, we'd get like these like phone book thick stacks of uh, letters each week from readers just reacting to different stories and just writing these very heartfelt, uh, you know, you know, notes to the actual, uh, to the actual writers. And, uh, you know, usually like that was a one way street, but Peter, you know, Peter opened the other lane and actually, you know, wrote back to his, uh, to the people that wrote to him, uh, would host, uh, his readers whenever he was in different towns that, you know, where they would go on beer crawls together or like meet up at breweries or meet up before games. Like he was truly a, uh, a writer of the people. He also had one of the greatest tweets of all time. The day Robin Williams died. Yeah. Yeah. He said to his restaurant host, God, did you hear about Robin Williams? The guy said, no. He said, Died. Killed himself. Thought he would cry. My joke about yeah. that was, because he said, God, did you hear about Robin Williams? I said, man, Peter eats at the fanciest places. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like he's, uh, you know, he did so many uh, memorable stories you know when like i remember the one he did when uh reggie white was a free agent it was a huge uh si cover you know he hung out he did a whole like travelogue uh with john madden yeah, on the cruiser the yeah. yeah like just like stuff like that is just like people don't realize like that's what nfl reporting used to be not just like shefty news yep. breaks uh, like yeah. you really got a real flavor of the uh, of the people and the personalities. I mean, and he also like loved Brett Favre back when Brett Favre was lovable and uh, spent a lot of time with him. Like he had a real knack for uh, for endearing himself to the league stars. Um, got behind uh, the the Patriots Iron Curtain. Was able to do uh, you know get some real insight into. Belichick and what made him tick and how that franchise worked and you know that's a lot of that is is gone now yeah yeah and you see that in you know breaking news tweets when people will they'll take Adam Schefter's tweet and Ian Rappaport's tweet and put them right next to each other and they're the same because yeah literally just an agent or somebody sent them and they Verbatim. Yeah. They're cutting and calling them the at the text. same time, texting yeah. them at the same time, and, and it's within, a race within to a see. minute of each other. They right, yeah, how many seconds they can beat the other, but yeah. 
It's like, right, that's great. You know, I, I could not have lived if I hadn't got, if I'd gotten that news eight minutes later <laughs> and you could have actually had a thought about it before you just pushed it out. Right. Right. Um, yeah. You said, so your most recent piece for the guardian is about uh, baseball's uniforms. Yeah. I, so I saw the uniform, the disastrous uniform rollout how unfortunate that like the poster boy for this is literally the game's biggest star Shohei is and with his shirt tails visible under his pants I mean come on uh but I sort of didn't appreciate what a train wreck of a company Fanatics is because it's been I like I haven't you know, like the last jersey that I bought of somebody was probably like at Sports Mart. Like that's how long. Yeah. That's how long it's been since I've uh, since I've worn another man's number. But like all of these horror stories about people ordering T-shirts with like uh, you know the crooked jersey number or the player name or like the windbreaker that's just like a plain windbreaker that was supposed to have like eagles logos on yeah, it or it's, it's a, like... a san francisco giants shirt that has the the new york giants ny on it yeah, right yeah because yeah it's the just poor like, guy uh... in the sweatshop didn't know the difference <laughs> it's just like uh this is like you're charging 200 bucks uh, the, oh the thing that i found out that really blew my mind is that they charge extra for like the advertising packs uh that you put on the jersey now like i th so like we're paying to support already bought advertising like this is well i'm not getting i'm not buying the cup jersey unless i get the payday loans patch uh, uh, right. <laughs> i don't want it i want to be authentic yeah 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 well and even that so um even on the real jerseys, a lot of the embroidered patches are not embroidered anymore. They're at least sewn mm. on, where though the wow. ones you're going to buy, if you buy the the cheap version, which is over, well over $100, or the medium version, which is 200 that's just ironed on. It's probably going to fall off. Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's... Fanatics is... They've been eating up. They, um, they have, like, the exclusive contracts with everybody now. Yeah. And so you really don't have a choice. You go, you know, if you go to, if you want to buy a Cubs shirt, you go to Cubs.com, you're buying it from Fanatics. If you right. go to NFL Authentics, you're buying it from Fanatics. Yeah. It, it doesn't matter. And they're like, when, um, when the Cubs traded everybody away, I decided I was going to follow Chris Bryant and the, to the Giants. So the day after you could order a Chris Bryant jersey, I didn't want to spend a lot of money on it, but I did. Yeah. That thing didn't show up until November. It took him three months. You know, the season's over. He's not even a giant anymore. All right. Arrives. <laughs> uh, now I've you got had, a collectible. Congratulations. Yeah, I've, I've got a Cub shirt that the um, that the screen printing is off center. Hmm. It's just, you know, you don't even want to. You, you can't buy anything sight unseen from yeah. them. So now you got to go to a store and buy it with the extra markup because just because then at least you can do your own quality control and be like, all right, right. this doesn't completely suck. But the it seems like such there's so many unforced errors with the uniform. Like honestly, to, to most people, if they just hadn't screwed up the nameplates on the back, if they had left those the same, most people wouldn't have noticed and they wouldn't have cared. Yeah. But everybody looks ridiculous now. It looks like 
like MVP baseball 2004, when they first figured out how to put the name on the <laughs> right, back of the yeah, player yeah, yeah. and they had to do this like weird arch and they had to use the same font for everybody. That's what you're getting now. Right. And so I've heard two different, maybe I'm sure you probably got the real story. You can tell me two reasons why they had to change the size of the letters. Yeah. Um, one was that the fancy fabric, they lightened it That's so much that then they didn't want to put the old, bigger letters back on because they felt like, A, it would be uncomfortable for the player, but B, they're adding weight back. It's like, well, right. how much different does a three-inch letter weigh? It all than goes a back to Formula One. Letter. Yeah, they, 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 we, want it, we want our players to be as light as possible. But the other one that I tend to believe more is they moved the MLB, the logo on the back. Mm -hmm. used to be right up, I don't even know what you call it, and that's not the placket, but whatever is up there, it was pretty close to the top. And they had mm -hmm. a lot of room for the name. They've moved it down now under where that seam is, and they don't have as much room to put player names. So they scooted uh, them down, that. and that's why they went with the ridiculous, the extra arch in the space. The rainbow. And yeah. I tend to believe that one. I think they, they told MLB this would be more prominent on the back. Right. And they said, we'd like that. Because they really could fix, this is a thing they could easily fix. Now, not maybe for the retail people right away, but yeah. certainly for the players. Like by opening day, yeah. you could fix this. You could go back, you basically let the clubbies use the old letters that they have drawers full of and sew yeah. those back on the uniform. And most fans wouldn't notice and this would go away. But they don't seem to want to do it. Because as much as players would like to think we care about how much they could customize the pants and how guys with big asses can, you know, can get extra room and us, we don't really care about that. Yeah. Um, well. You know, I don't really want to see New York or uh, San Francisco giant utility player uh, Casey Schmidt's balls yeah. like you could clearly see in his picture. I don't want to see that, yeah. Yeah. but he also could wear sliding shorts. Wouldn't kill him. Yeah, yeah. Mostly right. for the yeah. fans, fix the fix the names on the back, make it yeah. more aesthetically pleasing for us, and then the players can duke out the rest of it. It's like you, you know, I remember hearing so much about. The NFL, when we, when they moved to Thursday night games, all the testing that they did on the uniforms and how they would look on on those primetime broadcasts, and then of course like Oregon and, and Nike and like all of their all of the testing that they do, and it's just like you know the, the man hours and tens of millions that are invested to make sure that you know this this like television billboard is like clearly visible on television. And meanwhile, major league baseball's like, ah, just move this down and move this. But like, how bad can it be? You know, they're really small when you're sitting up in the bleachers. So, you know, as long as you can kind of make the numbers out, it's, it's fine. It's Even more proof the... of like how much Rob Manfred hates yeah. his sport. Now, thankfully he gave us five years heads notice before he retires. He yeah. all know. So we throw a big party. <laughs> But even, it's funny, you made me think of this, even for all that testing, you know, it's the Thursday night game for the NFL is when they broke out the color rush. Yes, yeah. And they had, I think it was, it had to be like the Jets and the Bills, right? And the Jets wore all green and the Bills wore all red. And colorblind people couldn't say, went yeah, nuts. Yeah, they, yeah. Couldn't tell, they couldn't tell what the hell was going on. Because if you're red, yeah. green, colorblind, it was just all weird. And and, and they, after the game, they're like, oh yeah, maybe, maybe we won't do that again. Yeah, yeah. I remember there was an Illinois Wisconsin game where um, Illinois wore their orange, their all orange uniforms. Basketball, they wore their all orange uniforms, and Wisconsin wore all red. And there were people complaining they couldn't tell the difference between the two on the court. Yeah. And I was like, "I, you, you need to get a new TV. Yeah, you should be able to tell the difference between red and orange." I watched the game. I could tell. Yeah, the difference yeah. Who. Get a better TV. We're in four K now. That, that should that should really pop. 
Uh, okay, so Saturday night, for some reason, sorry, I set my dog nuts here. No, go for um, it. Saturday night, for some reason, is the first race of the F1 season in Bahrain. Bahrain, yes, we're back, and, uh, baby. Yeah, it's not a terribly long off season. No. Never. But well, I've had a the chance. off season itself was so eventful that it doesn't feel like there was much of an off season because so much yeah. happened since the end of the since well, the gonna, end of the year. So you haven't had a chance to see Drive for Survive yet? No, not I've yet. Seen it? I I pounded all ten over the course <laughs> of like three nights. And um, one of the things you'll notice when you watch it is there are well. There's a few things. Now, you've probably seen one thing went viral immediately, and as soon as I saw it, I enjoyed it so much. Second episode, it's Christmas time, and they go to uh, Christian Horner's house with him and and Ginger Spice, his wife, Mm -hmm. Jerry Howell, and Father Christmas is there, and Father Christmas asks the Horner kids, has your dad been a good boy this year? And I don't know, I, what I'm hoping is, I hope that really wasn't in it before, and then right as they were getting ready to release the season, he got accused of all this stuff, and they immediately re-edited it. Yeah. Because I yeah. would love that if somebody's like, oh, I've got a clip for this. Yeah. Put it in. Remember that thing we cut? It's back in now. There's also an entire episode dedicated to uh, Lewis Hamilton re-signing with Mercedes. And there is a lot of stuff in there about how he flirted with Ferrari. And for a while, Mercedes thought maybe he would go to Ferrari. But, but yeah. Toto Wolff was like, no, he would look bad in red. And he loves us. And he's like a son to me. And he would never leave. And yeah. you're watching all this knowing. You see, actually, this is clearly fake. You know, the, some of the stuff in Drive to Survive, they, they do catch with live mics and stuff. Other stuff yeah, you can yeah, tell. Yeah. So they have a scene where Lewis goes in. And he sits across the desk from Toto. And they talk about the contracts and how... Toto was so happy that Lewis will be around for two more years and blah, blah, blah. Mm. And Lewis is like, oh, you know, how could I ever possibly leave? And then we realized that what he signed was a, a two-year deal that was a one plus one. Yeah. And that allowed him to just get the hell out of town after one year and actually go to uh, Ferrari. So when you watch it, it's really funny to see, you know. Uh, and they kind of hint at, um, you know, I think a big reason why Lewis is leaving is that Mercedes would only give him a two-year contract. They didn't yeah. want to commit longer than that. And he looks at Fernando Alonso and he's like, I'm not I could keep going. Yeah, yeah. I, I've got five years left. I was I younger than him. Yeah. Uh, I was a rookie when he was uh, a champion yep. already. Yeah. Um, so there's that. Well, I looked at it like he was going to go to Ferrari in the beginning. And Nicky Lauda was the one that's like, I know. I'm a Ferrari guy, but I've, we're actually like got something cooking at Mercedes that's going to be way better. You know, we're going to crush them for like the next decade. So, if you want to keep winning, yeah. get on the winning team. Yeah, it was and so I always right. felt like after, and then after Lauda died, you know that that was like a huge loss for him and for the and and for Mercedes, frankly. Um, that I felt like you know there's of course he's going to circle back to that that option that's going to be unfinished business but uh but yeah the more mercedes foundered um you know last year again you know he was really frustrated with the technical direction that they took after you know almost screaming to them that uh that you know they were on the wrong path you know toto ignored him and and they uh, fell even farther behind and 
you know, he, he was back to uh, having to elevate a, an inferior car and, you know, like did it brilliantly uh, as, as ever, but, you know, the Red Bull's just getting faster and faster and, uh, you know, Ferrari is the one team that can stay halfway close to them. You know, it's funny. They, they had, they had a bad car in 22 and they basically were ready to scrap it and start all over. And then George Russell won the race in, where did he win? Brazil, Singapore, wherever he won. Yeah. Um, And they're like, Oh no, we must be on the right thing. And Lewis at the time was like, you know, okay, it's good on one track. Right. Yeah. You know, what about the other 22? You know, we yeah. really should change. What about so the, he was really this, the half season we spent porpoising yeah. around right. uh, all yeah, over the place? Getting out of the car, it looked like Fred Sanford. He couldn't stand uh, up. Uh, yeah, yeah. My my back has been jackhammered yeah. for the last like three hours. Yeah. What about that? Just yeah. slamming me repeatedly into the tarmac. Yeah. Uh, so that's they they do a good job of kind of setting that up as to why Lewis was. You know, it wasn't just, well, I'm, I want a new challenge. I want to do whatever when he was talking to Ferrari. Uh, and then there was a the whole thing with, um, you know, with Fred Vasseur and Fred had known Lewis since he was, of course he'd known everybody yeah. since they were like 12 and, uh, Fred getting asked like right in front of Charles Leclerc and, and Carlos signs about signing Lewis for the next season. That's one of the amazing things to me is that apparently there's no such thing as tampering in formula. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a whole episode about, um, my my favorite guy, Zach Brown. Oh, I just love I, Zach. I hate Zach's, guy so Zach's. Much. Oh, I think he's just scumbag. Anyway, um, really, Zach's, oh, Zach's like actually Zach a really uh, Zach's a really cool guy. Yeah. Uh, he seems because I know so phony to me. McLaren, I don't like you no, picking no, on my buddy Otmar. Otmar Snaps. Oh, Otmar. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I feel like that's friendly, but I, I just remember like what a shambles McLaren was in when. Uh, Fernando was there yeah. and the way that he sort of tied it in with uh, them in with the IndyCar program and the way that he's developed both of those teams in parallel to where they're like super competitive. Like he, he actually is really, really good at what he did. Okay. I have a lot of respect for it. I have a lot of respect. You told me last year, I didn't, I don't like Pierre Gasly and you told me <laughs> Pierre is cool. Uh, I just, no, Pierre, yeah, st- Pierre, still think Pierre he's just awesome. a fussy French complainer. That's a, um, oh, no. There are other there are other fussier non Frenchies than uh, there is a great uh, him and there's a great episode about him and Esteban Ocon and how much they've hated each other for most of yeah. their lives. Esteban is a much fussier Frenchie. Yeah. They're a perfect example. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's also the you know I don't want to spoil it for people who didn't actually pay attention to the season, but Otmar gets canned, and the guy that takes over for him is a guy named Bruno. What is Bruno's last name? Um, uh, I wrote it down here because I can never remember it. Now I can't find it. Anyways, Bruno. Anyway, he's a he's a very French guy, and he when he does his like talking head interviews, he could not be more slumped. He's basically like his neck is like mm. pouring back into his polo shirt. Yeah, and it's like this is the guy that's the the face of Alpine now. This yeah, uh, yeah. He speaks very little English, which you know it doesn't really matter when you run a French. Um, F1 team, but it makes it a little tough to appeal to the American audience. Oh, anyway, so the thing about uh, about tampering, so the, there's an episode about McLaren, and you know, they got off to a terrible start. They were awful. And then they got some upgrades, I think, about 
Canada, I think. They would give him to Lando, and then poor Oscar had to wait for like three races before he'd get him. But then they'd finally <laughs> give him to him. Um, but early when they're struggling, Lando was in the final year of his contract. And there's Christian Horner basically just talking about how great it'll be when, they, when they're able to sign Lando and put him with Max. Right. So, yeah. I, number one, he's got a driver. He's got Checo, my little buddy. He yeah. Basically, just being shoved out the door. Plus, this guy has a contract with another with another team, and nobody cares. They talk yeah. about each other's drivers publicly. There's clearly no. It's clearly it's not a thing in racing in American yeah. sports. You never you, you never get to do that. Guys get in trouble for the stupidest little. What coach says something too nice? Greg Popovich says something too complimentary about a player on the other team, and he gets fined by the right. NBA for tampering. Horner's basically over there measuring Lando for a suit and they, they don't have any problem uh, texting him like, Hey, we just got a new seat in. You want to come in and, uh, and get sized up for it. New fire suit. You up. Yeah. But, um, some interesting things about this season, the, the, the driver's lineup that finished last season is the driver lineup that is starting this season. Yeah. Nobody, yeah. Uh, poor little Nick DeVries is the only guy from the start of last year who lost his seat. Um, there's, I was, I was very, I was shocked actually that Logan Sargent is still driving for Williams. He didn't score a point last year. Well, you're right. 20 races, American... you don't score a single point in a car that was clearly better than it had been. Yeah. I I feel like I I mean I I predicted he would score last year. I'm I'm a little disappointed that he didn't do it, but uh, but you know he's still Actually, no, so young. And... He did. He scored a point. He had one point. Okay. Well, Devries was the only guy who didn't get any. Right. Liam Lawson scored more. Oh yeah, I think there was it was in. like it was like a really bad attrition race that he uh, he wound up finishing exactly ten. One where his was the um, only car that wasn't on fire at the end. And yeah. He finished yeah, yeah. 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 Um, he was too far yeah, behind a, all the accidents. Yes, so he yeah, was easily yeah. able to That's drive basically. around. He, he, he skirted trouble. <laughs> um, yeah, but you know, like I, I give him the benefit of the doubt. Uh, just oh, American. I like having American. I just, I was sure watching unless you just like, there's no way Logan's hanging out of the seat, and then he did. Yeah, and it's funny because I thought like if he if he was driving like Nick DeVries, they would be talking about him about pairing him with George. And I feel like, you know, now that the cat's out of the bag, he really has an opportunity to, to, uh, to like assert himself and, uh, and make a case for it. Cause I'm just like, man, imagine an American driver at Mercedes. Uh, that'd be, that'd be so huge. So this could, this season is a real opportunity for him. If he, you know, he takes advantage of it. There is an interesting, um, so da- <clears throat> Danny Ricardo, who was, they, they we love whole, him. There's two whole episodes. Yeah. I mean, he's Mr. Drive for Survive. Right? Uh, yes, two, he is. Two guys who are in every Mr. episode. Mr. Congeniality. We ever, love him. Yeah. Are Christian Horner, King. who shows up yeah. all the time in this. I mean, he's in every single episode, which is amazing. Oh, I, because if you watch the entire season. Well, he's the big bad, so you yes. need him in every episode. Yeah. But if you watch this entire season, you really have to pay attention if you didn't, if you didn't know what happened in F one last year, you'd have to really pay attention to realize that Max Verstappen won nineteen races. <laughs> Max yeah. is in it twice, I think. He's playing pickleball in one scene with a couple of the other okay. drivers, 
And then there, he has like one talking head that's clearly he did not he did not sit down for Driver to Survive. It's yeah. from like a oh yeah I don't think I don't think he does no. like he won't be followed he he won't participate yeah. yeah so he's just not he's just not in it which is funny but Christian anything they don't care yeah. they uh, have a mic on him when he goes in to tell um, so Danny is the the third driver at Red Bull going into the yeah. season his old team he's back he's been right you know, he he left for Renault and then on to McLaren and. He got kicked. He basically got fired at McLaren with six races to go, and they let him still drive the car around. Yeah. Um, he was doing a podcast with Will Arnett. No, he was going to do. He did like a Manning cast with Will Arnett for. Is that right? The Miami race, and was going to do it for both Vegas and Austin, except he was in a car by then. Yeah. So Nick DeVries is the guy who he had gotten his seat when he filled in for Ocon. Somebody had a, somebody had an appendix had to get their appendix out. It was uh, Mercedes, I thought. I thought he filled in. I think it was Debris did. I think it's either yeah, Albon yeah. or Ocon. I get them confused. I think it was I think it was Alex Albon. That he, uh, that Albon, he yeah, yeah, yeah. And at Monaco, I think, and he scored. Finished like yes, seven, yes. And that put him uh, like, okay, this is a, this is a real driver. This is a guy in the little helmet. Marco just loved him and. Um, so he got the he got this slot with uh, Alpha Tauri, and then he didn't do anything with it for the first half of the season. And Red Bull is notoriously grinds drivers on their drivers. Half the grid drove has driven for them at some point and been fired. By yeah, them. yeah, they found they found two thirds of those drivers on the grid. Um, so then this, so then so um. Nick loses the seat, goes to Danny Ricardo, everybody loves because he's Mr. Personality, and has been a very successful driver. And second or third race out, he um, there's an accident right in front of him in qualifying, and he can't avoid it. He hits the wall, he breaks his hand. Now he's out. And so, yeah. um, like the scene from the awful Gran Turismo movie, there's they show that they cut to Liam Lawson, the emergency driver for uh, Alpha Tower, mm-hmm. on the sim. You know, basically looks like he's playing video games. Yeah. Give him a call. He needs to. He's got to hot hop it to the track. He's got a. Um, it must have been practice because he had to qualify. And he raced. He scored in the first race, just like just like Nick DeVries, and and acquitted himself very well in two more races. And then Danny was finally ready to come back from having his pinky screwed back together. And so they create this drama about who's going to get that seat for next year. Is it going to be right. you know there's cute little Yuki Sonoda. Who has got to be like five foot two? Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm always shocked. There's anywhere. a great He's shot of. Off. There's a great shot in this of of on the grid. I think in Vegas of Shaq and Yuki. Yeah, it's amazing. They're Shaq is four feet taller. Than I Yuki. would watch. I would watch that junior remake. Um. So then there's this drama about well, you know, Danny has barely been back and now he's hurt and he's probably he probably lost his seat and it's going to be Liam and then you hear Christian. Because even though he's the Red Bull principal, he's Alpha Tower, now Visa Cash App, Arby, whatever the fuck yeah. it is. They're all one big thing. Yes. And he just very matter-of-factly tells him it's going to be Danny and Yuki next year. And then the door opens up, and Liam's dreams have been crushed, is, you know, walking out here. He thought he finally got his shot. Because he was a guy he talks about. He went to the academy because his family didn't have money. He couldn't, like, you know, he couldn't, he wasn't Lando or Max, whose parents threw thousands and thousands of dollars into into making him a driver and he'd made it yeah. and people were like hey this guy's pretty good and he's just an extra driver again this year 
Yeah. Um, it's rough business. Yeah, so there's that. Um, uh, one thing I want you to watch for, I'm, mm-hmm. I guess my mind works in weird ways. When I'm watching this, I'm trying to figure out when they do the talking heads, when did they do, when are these interviews? And the guy yeah, that I can't yeah, yeah. figure out is Will Buxton because he wears the same sweatshirt in every <laughs> single one. Now, either they're like, if you can wear this every time, that'll be really easy for us when we cut it together. Yeah. But I have a feeling he just at the end of the year, because he's, you know, he's Mr. You know, he's, he sets everything up with his pontific wondering about yeah. something. He's like, gee, I don't know. Do you think maybe, uh, you know, Danny Ricardo can't be very happy just basically being a glorified marketing person. Maybe later on in the season, a seat will open up. And then it does. And you're like, you <laughs> filmed that in December. You didn't, yeah. film, you didn't do that in April. Um, so just watch for that. Same, He's got the same wardrobe every single time. The other, like, okay. They're, they're in-house talking heads. Uh, Claire Williams has joined now. So she can give great expertise okay, cool. about what it's like to be running a team that can't score any points. She's got a great, she has a tremendous amount of experience yeah. doing that. Poor Claire. Yeah. And then Danica. Uh, for no yeah. apparent reason, other than uh, Americans know well, who Danica for, is. For a reason, yeah, you know, she is an accomplished... And she's not bad. Uh, single, single seater, a single seat driver who did, uh, you know, climb the F one ladder in Europe. Like she does have a background in this sport, but I just find her to be so. And it's you know, like there are other women in that sport mm-hmm. who I find much more engaging talking about it. But she's such a damn squib. I just, I just really can't. Uh, I just I I can't I do not look forward to the races that she is part of. I honestly think she's there because they added the Vegas race. I think they felt yeah. like with three American races they should have an American, and they picked her. But she's we don't fine. need an American. But they she uh, no, we don't. And they, the success of the of the uh, of the sort of Sky broadcast proved that we will just take. Yep. You know, we'll just take it straight. We, you don't need to yank yankify this up for us. You no. know? And I was I was really worried when ESPN re-upped that in because yeah. they had that they had that Sky thing for cheap. They were paying like five million dollars a year for that. I don't even. I think it was rights. less than that. I and think then it they was renewed like, it like they still don't pay a lot for TV money. It's like seventy-five yeah. million dollars a year or whatever, which is a bargain for you know. And I really worried that when they put real money into it, they were going to insist on. A lot we more do our than own studio show. Telling us. We got to have our own correspondence there. And yeah, yeah. Because yeah. now all we get is at the very end, we get Nicole Briscoe yes. telling yes. us that you know mothers. You know, I would rather have Nicole Briscoe be a part of that yes. team than Danica Patrick. Uh, Nicole Briscoe, who's like, you know, well, who, who's together. married to a racer and uh, you know has a racing uh, background and and you know has reported in the sport and is like fun and engaging. Danica it, is just not not the girl for this nicole and danica went to rockton hananiga high school in rockton illinois together Mm. and so did two of my other friends and i think i told you this on the last time so i had two friends who were they knew danica they were in the same class as danica okay and they are best friends they've been best friends since they were little kids and if you talk to one of them one of them hated danica and the other one loved danica (laughs) yeah just really funny it's like i thought you guys were best friends you couldn't we don't have to (laughs) we don't have to have all the same friends okay right yeah Uh, one i think was just like was so happy to see that her just leave for England to go become a racer. It's like, good, just yeah. go away. We don't, yeah, go we don't away. Just, uh, yeah, good luck with all that. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I was worried then that they, they were going to want to, like, American-fy things. They haven't, because then they shouldn't. The Sky thing is, I mean, it's the reason I'm an F1 fan now. I watched yeah. a documentary over, when, over you know, in, in 2020, like everybody else, we were all locked in our houses. I was like, this is yeah. pretty interesting. And then when you watch the broadcast, I'm, just, I'm constantly made you see everything. It's amazing yeah. to me. You know, yeah. on a three-mile-long track, they don't miss anything. They have a camera yeah. everywhere. And then they have cameras in the car and on the car and flying over the track and or whatever. And you see the, you know, every possible, like, bit of data you need is on the screen. And they do just such a good job of, you know, picking what audio to hear when you hear it. So that's yeah. the stuff you're like, ooh, I can't believe they put that on. So yeah. It's not all, you know, like, well, we can't put that. This is juicy. We can't use it. They'll put it on. You know, they'll have Max screaming at, you know, GP, blah, 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 whatever it is, uh, whatever the guy is who talks to him. They'll scream at each other, which is fun. But, uh, I don't want the, I don't want them to screw it up. Um, yeah, and Americanize it. It's perfectly fine the way it is. Plus, I like the fact I need, uh, I need to watch my little thirty-minute wrap-up with Ted Kravitz, where he yes. just walks up and down the pit lane and yeah. goes over his notebook and just tells yeah. us all the stuff that we that he learned during the race. Yeah, I mean, it's like, oh yeah, you remember the structure that was here an hour ago? Yeah, that's that's on a truck now. Uh, you know, uh, I always love to see like how quickly they break everything down when ted's doing those yeah. that sort of like cool oh, down he'll show you he loves um, logistics he'll show you like the shipping crates and like they'll be yeah. like like they're in one it's like this isn't actually going the next race is like in um is in singapore but this is not going to singapore the, right the, yeah the, the singapore crate is already in singapore this one right. is going somewhere else. and he's telling us this and i'm like well that's stupid and i'm oddly fascinated by it <laughs> So give me more of that, Ted. I like it. But also, I feel like they do a better job than the American racing series. And I don't know if it's the draws or whatever, but like, you know, you sort of come in on the back of drivers to drive to survive and the human drama, but they really get you invested in the, uh, the science and the math. And, uh, you know, in terms of like, you know, the uh, the tire the tire choices you know just yeah. red yeah. yellow white uh, you know like we know that these are not like the same types of compounds from race to race we know that they sort of like oh sometimes they are sometimes one of them is you know it, you know so like they get you really invested in that and just like the math and like how fast somebody is lapping and how many laps that they have to do in order to like catch somebody to be able to use DRS, the whole DRS strategy. So like you really sort of, you know, they turn you into a math nerd. Yeah. Once you're like, once you like find your guys that you're rooting for, that you're like, okay, I'm really like, I can't go in anywhere because in eight laps, I know. you know, Lewis is going to be in DRS range and then he'll have like a podium spot, you know? So it's like they, you know, and I, you know, and it's probably because, you know, the other the american series are racing on ovals where it's yeah. like less uh where that drama is like harder to to watch play out because you can have a bunch of cars in a grouping and like you know the person who's like leading the pack could actually be you know the you know the last the last car on the actual on the actual pylon and it's like it's much much more difficult to to sort of like 
sort of like fathom what's going on. But also the sport, at least in NASCAR, you know, um, there's more bumping and banging and contact. And like Formula One is so much more driven by, you know, uh, precision and timing that, uh, that, that that it sort of raises the stakes of those little of those little battles within well, battles. That so. and the cars literally can't handle it. Right. Like, those two tires touch, somebody's got a puncture. Somebody's out. Right. Yeah. The, yeah. It was funny. I watching the watching drivers survive this season. It was a lot like watching races last year, which was you know, okay, we see Max in the open, and then we'll we won't see him again until the end. And that's how yeah. it was a lot of the races. You would watch, and by the by lap three, Max has opened up a four second you know lead over everybody, and yeah. the camera's not going to be on him again until he's coming around the last turn and the fireworks are going off because right. that's not interesting anymore. It's all the other the other people are actually racing. Max is driving. Right, yeah. Everybody yeah. else is racing. Yeah, uh, yeah that's so what I, I miss about uh, twenty one and the you know like the the under you know the undercut the overcut yeah. you know like they were so close to the Mercedes and the Red Bull and like how like with the pit strategies that they would use the fact that like Red Bull was like nailed every single pit stop that they made and. Uh, you know, usually like Max would be the one who would make errors in the field or there'd yeah. be like some engineering snafu or something. You know, they were like so close to the ragged edge. Um, but yeah, you know, when you open up a four second lead, you can basically do whatever you want and, yeah. you know, not affect the race. No, and then spends... that just puts more pressure onto like, hey, where's Checo? Why is he four seconds? Why isn't he four seconds behind right. the first car? Yeah. Has anybody and, ever uh, taken more shit for finishing second? Than no one. Checo. I mean, he yeah. he was you know, oh, that's everything was a crisis, and they you know, was he going to lose a seat during the season? That's like he's, yes, he's, he's, I feel he's, awful he's the for, for the longest time. He was the only other driver who'd won a race. It's only like other driver who'd won a race. The easily the best teammate, the best yeah. sort of like the blocking, uh, the blocking Mexican back that Max of has, ever, has ever had, and they just shit on this yes, guy every opportunity that they get. I mean, Max is asshole dad yos can't even like i mean we we joked about it yes yeah checo won a race and they showed joe's and he could not have looked more pissed yeah he's just it's like buddy your kid wins every week he's he's gonna win all the other races let him have one moment one moment we're we're so tired of hearing the dutch national anthem please let's play the mexican one yeah let's let's spice this uh this gala up a little bit golly it's a it's an interesting sport it's um you know it to me it, it it ticks all the boxes of a secondary sport that i will follow it's most of the races are in the morning for yes. me so i they, my, the real sports haven't started yet I yeah it's, racing and enjoy it's it. so great in nfl weekends because yeah. you have that and then it just like rolls right into it the is, pregame shows they it's time limited there's literally yes. a window that they have to finish the race in or they'll start lopping uh, they'll start lapping laps off of it. The only thing that can screw that up sometimes is rain. Yeah. Uh, but once they start racing, and even that, so they'll be like, yeah. "Look, we only have time for yeah. like twenty laps, um, or or two. Or which race is that in uh, Belgium a couple of years ago, where they're like, "We'll do we'll do one lap," and who? Yeah. And the finishing order was like the starting order. Yeah. Well, that's what they changed, and then in twenty, and so in twenty two, when Max won, he didn't know yeah. who won. Yeah, because yeah. they had changed that formula. Everyone assumed they were going on the. They instead of getting full points uh, if you didn't get X amount of laps, they 
because it was ridiculous to give somebody 25 points for for you know basically winning pole and taking one successful right, yeah. lap and then the weather got bad and they gave it to him so he they everyone thought he had he was one point short of winning the championship the only people who seemed to know were the sky sports people who were running the thing on the side they yeah. had they put the new points total and they had him clinched but nobody believed it until he get down to the you know park for me and yeah. he's being interviewed by um david coulthard i think and he tells yeah. him and max doesn't believe it he's like no 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 i need one more point he's like no you don't they just told me in my earpiece that you won <laughs> it's been so weird so he's won three titles and his first one is yeah. incredibly contentious. An asterisk. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's the only one that he actually was was driving in first place when he crossed the finish line that he knew he won. Because right. then the second time he's in Japan and he thinks, well, I've got a lot of points, but I still need another one next week. And he didn't. Yeah. And then this year, because they added the weird sprint races, he finishes third in a sprint race on a Saturday in Spa. I think it was Spa, wherever he was. And he wins the, the regular season championship. Yeah. It's, it, it's odd. They... It's funny because the whole thing in 21 was about F1 wanting there to be drama. They wanted the championship to finish on the track with two guys racing, which is yeah. why they basically ignored their own rules. And then the next two years, they've got the most anticlimactic championships ever. So basically. Yeah. One wonders if the regulations will uh, fix that. I have a feeling it, they won't. Red Bull appears to still be uh, spending heavily on R&D uh, outside the rules and just sort of paying the penalties or, or not logging the hours or whatever. Um, I mean, you know, they're all sort of like well, operating and then, outside. Of and then last year, you know, so last year they had the they had the wind tunnel penalty. Yes, oh, yes. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they asked Adrian Newey about it. And he's like, well, we basically the they're I love that they number their cards with RB19. The RB19 is such a good card. We stopped we're developing it like six races in and we were already working on it. Oh, yeah, so, yeah, the, yeah. He goes, so really it didn't affect us because we had lots of extra time to work on the car because we didn't, everybody else was still tinkering with the current car and ours was so perfect. We just left it alone and we started yeah. working on the new car. And there even some thought that they were trolling Mercedes when they did the rollout. Um, you know, Mercedes had the whole thing with the side pods and the um, like the vertical opening for the air to yes. go through. Well, the Red Bull has a vertical opening for the air to go through now. Um, mm. And they they asked Newey about it, and he was basically like, well, everything Mercedes, all their ideas weren't bad. <laughs> like, <laughs> everything else sucked. We like this. So we put yeah, this on yeah. the car, and then they can stare at it every week as it goes around. It can remind them of how horribly wrong they got their version of this car. Yeah. Um, oh, man. Yeah, so I guess the last thing we'll talk about people who've made it to this point um is the fact that there was all this controversy coming into the season or just the last month about the team principal christian horner the guy who's married to i told you the very first episode of drive to survive i watched i'm sitting there and i'm like you know they go to this pastoral english you know or the ranch the ranch or whatever that they got and uh he choppers out of right at one point and i'm like oh it's funny that guy's wife looks like ginger spice and yeah. it was. Yeah. I realized it's a different people with a different, uh, it's a lot of money in this. Yeah. Uh, so he, uh, first we heard he was under investigation for, I forget, Red Bull gave it some ridiculous. Um, they basically made it sound like he uh, he was 
too mean to a female employee at Red Bull and she had complained. That was the yes. the term they used made it seem like that. Yeah. And then there was all this stuff. Red Bull corporate got involved. Yeah. There was like a whole, they made it, initially they made it seem like he had like an inappropriate sexual relationship yes. with an employee. And then that got downgraded to he was mean to a, yep. to a female employee. Um, and there's a whole thing about, so the, the, the founder of Red Bull, Diedrich Manischitz, died a couple of years ago. Yeah. And Christian and him, he loved Christian because he could do the golden boy. Right. And Christian has lost some, he doesn't have the same support. Right. And not only that, but Red Bull Racing is 51% owned by these guys in Thailand and 49% by the energy drink dudes. And so how is this all going to shake out an investigation? And in the middle of this, Red Bull had their launch where they're showing off the new car. And so I watched it because I wanted to see if Christian was going to be there. Not only was he there, he never left the stage. Like if they were supposedly like going to downplay his role while the investigation, they didn't do it. And they also had him, they had a female presenter. So he's up there with a female. And then they brought two female drivers from their academy or whatever out to be with him. They were very clearly like, look, he's not being mean to these women. Right right. In front of you. <laughs> yeah. um, and Look so at I, harmless interactions yeah. with women. So I'm watching like, well, clearly this is, this dude is not getting fired. Right. I mean, there, you wouldn't have done this. Yeah. If, and, but then supposedly there was, um, oh, he there's new allegations. Too much money. And that, yeah. yeah. New allegations. He's been sexting and he's been, oh, there's all this stuff. And, and then everybody's like, oh, they're really going to yeah. get him. And then, uh, they didn't fire him, and they didn't fire him. And then the, a couple of days ago, they, the investigation was coming to a close, and they put him on a plane to Bahrain for the first race. It's like, well, they're not flying him to Bahrain, Bahrain to fire him. You could fire him in England right. at Milton Keynes. You don't have to fly him there. And then big shock, he, um, he's he been uh, exonerated of all the charges, and he's fine. Of course. So then today— Nothing sticks to those guys. Today we're recording this on Thursday— Today, then, somebody leaked to, like, all of the F1 press, supposedly, the WhatsApp messages that he sent to this. Oh, book. I haven't seen those yes. yet. Okay. Um, and some of them are screenshotted. You can see them on Twitter. And the ones that are screenshotted on Twitter, they seem awfully fake. Hmm. Um, okay. In fact, somebody, there's two pictures. Like, it, he's also, he's the worst sexter in the world, then, if they're real. There is one. There's a really funny one where he talks about how much he loves Cocoa Puffs, which has already been memed. Oh, oh I thought you were going to tell me it was going to be like, if you want to be my lover, you yeah. Gotta... And there are pictures of him, but they're, uh, thankfully, they're not little Christian. It's big Christian. It's like selfies sent. But then somebody has found out that you can, the one of the selfies is actually, you can find the original picture. <laughs> You could do a reverse image search. And they just they aged him a little bit. Like they took the thing and they put an older head of him on it. And so that nobody, everybody's pretty sure they're bullshit. Okay. Um, All right. So I, I won't go. But the F1, okay. wants to, the, the, uh, F1 wants to know and the FIA and everybody else. But um, it, I, I think somebody wants you to feel like he's under siege again. And yeah. I think Red Bull is basically like, now we've got lots of races to win. We're yeah, not we're fine. Yeah. It. Now when he starts losing, which, you know could be a while uh we'll revisit some of this but uh you know he built he built the program yeah. so uh you know if he goes down he's probably going to take the whole thing down with him so um, well i mean there's so there's and helmet is like right there and i'm sure it has is not like nearly as technologically savvy as uh 
as uh, as Christian is, and we already know some of the like the horribly vile things yes. that he said Helmet's to a, uh, is, to non-white uh, yes, to his racist. like non-white is... colleagues. Yep. Uh, so uh, if Helmut's is sticking around, I think Christian's going to be. In fact, one of the one of the things on Twitter was somebody put the screenshot of the of the messages but also then because apparently got emailed out to like 149 journalists and other people and they put on <laughs> it was i forget what they put like uh for the name it was like anonymous whatever but then in brackets it was helmet.marco at redbull.com <laughs> <laughs> um yeah you've got yeah I, i'm sure he you've knows got, how to check that yeah, yeah. you got max's um max's dad is a ugh. and then um I think it's funny that Max is not his married. dad, his father-in-law. Right. They, but yeah, like he's surrounded they, by all of these like loathsome individuals. Yeah. That his father-in-law, who's a former racer, is referred to as his yeah. father-in-law, even though he's not married. Nope. But yeah, everybody always calls him his father-in-law. Which is yeah. Funny. And then I didn't know that she has a son with Nikki Marzipan or Marzipan, yeah. whatever. This whole F one thing is—it's all this weird entangled. Very, very That's, incestuous world. Yeah. Um, An yeah, incestuous a, world of nepotism. Yeah. But there's a lot of thought that um, if if Horner goes, then Adrian Newey, who's like the greatest car designer of the last generation of F1, has an out in his contract that he would immediately go to Ferrari. Yeah. Because he's, he's almost gone to Ferrari twice before. Like, he literally... Well, had, I feel like, like now's like, the time. Like, almost yeah. had the red polo shirt pulled all the way down and changed his mind and went, okay, no, I'm going to stay. Yeah, and they don't want to mess all that up, so they'll just, you know. And what is Christian? I, it's very interesting to me what he really does. To me, it feels like he's the he's the front facing person. Yeah, like you see him during races, looking at the screens and looking very concerned. But if they want to talk, if if you need to interview him during the race, he's always willing to talk during the race. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it seems like his real job is at the end of the race to congratulate Max for winning. <laughs> No, I mean, he, he... And then to take all the crap publicly. Like, he's the one who had to wear the whole cost cap thing. He's the guy yes. who had to go out and get yelled at. And he gets paid millions and millions and millions of dollars to get yelled at, which is fine. He's got a very punchable face. He's a perfect guy to have getting yelled at. Yeah. Well, I feel like... I like Toto personally, but I feel like that that applies more to him than to Christian, who really, like, does do a fair amount of, like... Uh, sort of like setting and guiding the technical okay. like the development direction you know because like he, he he he's the guy that like built that team yeah. into a uh, right. into a powerhouse who like knows who like the really smart engine up and coming like engineers and designers are who you know was like savvy enough to like grab adrian newey the first opportunity that he had to be like you know if I built you your ideal like design team, like how you know what kind of a thing could you put in, in like spared no expense? What kind of a car could you put together? And that's basically what's happened. Well, I guess that's what's happened within the cost cap. But uh, yeah. yeah, well, and they clearly are. They're very good at identifying talented drivers. Yes. I mean, yeah. You know they've got they've got Max and Checo, but albon and pierre gasly and danny ricardo and yuki sonoda and carlos Sainz have all come well they were really the only team to well the first team to actually like create an academy develop a farm system and you know like basically do all of the driver development for the other teams until they started to build their build out their own programs yeah yeah they're just what they're not great at is treating 
those guys. Yes. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. of that, they can just, you know, it's like, you know, the uh, Olympic U.S. Olympic gymnastics. They can just grind through these people. Um, and, uh, you know, while they sort of like put, well, put Max really on a on a other level than than everybody else. Everything, every the system is there to serve Max right yep. now. Well, and it's hard to argue with. And yeah, he's he's a great driver. He's yeah. he's but, fulfilling his his teenage promise. That's for sure. Yeah, and he's the just I I find him oddly endearing because I feel like he's just a race nerd. He it seems like the only friend he has is Lando. Like he's these yeah. awkward, these awkward conversations with everybody else, and uh, like yeah, we know his dad's an ass. He's been screaming at him since he was two. Yeah, <laughs> he's he is a very nice guy personally. Like you know, as as an interview, like he's extremely generous and and you know thoughtful and will you know if you you stick to racing, he will tell you basically anything you want to know about his performance and, and sort of what he thinks about because I, I remember talking to him in miami after after that first race and you know he had, they all had a lot of opinions about how that course was set up and um I forget it was like turns 14 that 14 15 16 uh uh the, the, the combo was like really problematic and dangerous and they like uh went to considerable efforts to to repave it to make that 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 uh those corners like less dramatic and you know after the you know he won that race so comfortably and you know like dan marino gave him the trophy it was a whole thing that he was just like whatever i'll you like i'll i'll do it i'm happy to do it uh but you know afterwards you know i was asking him about it and he was he was like very complimentary of the way of like the effort that that they made to fix the track and just like his own performance and i was just like ah, oh, you know you're not the villain that they make you out to be yeah. like one-on-one you're actually like a really decent guy so he, well, he uh, was, then he was 17 years old when he ran his first race yeah he's yeah, yeah. 26 he's been around forever he's 26 yeah. years old i feel like he'll be he'll be better when he's like in his early to mid 30s and he's like has has a little bit more perspective and you know he's he's accomplished as much as he wants to because i don't feel like he's going for you know trying to catch lewis um or anything like that i think you know he could win like one or two more and be like i'm cool i can go do something else now i've given my whole i give my youth away to this sport i want to try something else yeah well and lewis is a guy who has leverages his fame and popularity for causes i mean he yes part yeah. of what drives him to be successful is he's a great race driver maybe the greatest of all time but he also is a very socially conscious person who knows that if yeah. he keeps winning and his profile is up he can advocate for things that he wouldn't otherwise have a platform for max isn't ever going to yeah. do that no he's never going to do that it's just not and that's fine that's not his personality it's um it would be at best he, he becomes like metal and he finds something like the environment to sort of care about um or maybe like youth youth drivers in general but otherwise i I don't see that for him all right well i kept you a lot longer than you probably thought i was no it's all right i I appreciate it's always fun fun. yeah and uh i'm excited i'm ready to ready to see some guys drive the thing i like about f1 it's not all left turns they actually turn right on occasion (laughs) 
just I like that's the variety, true. So. And stop. Yeah. Yes, and it took me. I I will admit, I took me like three races to realize they weren't they weren't putting more gas in the car. Yeah, no, they yeah, gotta you, they gotta make it work with that one tank. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much. I, uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Many of us have herpes. This is rough, but it's also finished. This fitting has got to be done with one of the best games of all time. Just unbelievable. Got to congratulate the uh, the Dolan family.